0: So once in a while, you meet somebody that you think, I should hang out with this person more. That, my friends, is what's going to happen today on the Pre-Accident Podcast. Hey, everybody. Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation uh, Podcast. You know the podcast. Uh, You must, because... If you accidentally found this podcast, that'd be just strange. No, maybe not. I mean, yeah, maybe. I know a lot of people are listening. It's—I uh, would say that our numbers have dramatically, like by a factor of ten, increased. And so that's interesting. So this is a, um, this is another podcast that's pre-COVID nineteen, but barely pre-COVID nineteen. But I really want you to hear this podcast because um, you just know when you're with somebody really fun and interesting and smart. That it's going to be fun and interesting and smart time. And so that's what this podcast is about. So think of this as a, as an amuse bouche, a little French for you there, huh? And how's that sound to, uh, to what's going on in the world? Cause it's, uh, pretty freaking crazy in the world right now. And this I think is a good thing for us to listen to. So this is my newest friend and, uh, dear friend. I really felt, uh, quite a bit of kinship Deidre Lewis and she's the head of HSC for Energy markets at Origin Energy in Australia and she's uh, she's a force to be reckoned with in the world no doubt about it but mostly it was a really fun conversation and I enjoyed it immensely. It was cute because she was nervous <laughs> So I don't think about the podcast as something to be nervous about. I mean may- maybe if you're not a podcast person, it might feel nervous, but it's not. It's just a bunch of friends sitting around talking. I mean, this, we've been on this journey a while, you and I, and that's all we are is just friends talking. Will we make mistakes? Oh, yes. Many of them. Will we say stupid scrap? Uh, yes, we will say stupid crap. Uh, without much effort, actually. It's pretty easy to say stupid crap. I'm kind of a whiz at it. Um, are we friends? Yep. So everything's kind of okay for we're friends. So I don't know, are you, are you doing okay? Are you keeping things moving forward? Stay strong, pony boy. That's a, a phrase that is in my mind a lot today. Um, you just have to stay strong and be generous. That, that seems to be really important. And take a moment to think about the world. And that's exactly what this podcast does. This is Deidre Lewis, and she's going to talk to you about managing really a forward-thinking organization in high-risk environments around this notion of resilience, which is what we're deep in the middle of. Capacity, resilience, recoverability, graceful extensibility, all those words really play in this podcast. So listen carefully and see what you think. I'm always curious as to your reaction. This is my friend Deidre, and we're going to talk about the world before Covid nineteen. Listen carefully. So you're really taking an organization and moving them.
1: I'm, I'm how trying. are you doing it
0: strategically? I mean, what what do you think about?
1: I think about how do I influence my leaders? How do I get them to think differently about what we're doing? I want them to think differently about the metrics that we're looking at. I don't want us to be looking about what's happened in the past. I want us to be thinking about how do we look to the future.
0: How do you get that? To, how do you get them to think differently? I mean, it's interesting to say get them to think differently, but what are you doing actually to get them to think differently? And I think it's working to an extent too.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, I want them to be curious about their operations. So I think I look at our operations and think we've got some fabulous people in our business, some really great operators who are able to work dynamically. We are adapting to change all the time and we don't even understand that that's what we're doing. So I think if our leaders really understood how that links to great safety performance, I think that they would make the connection much better than they do. I think sometimes we think safety is a bit of an add-on to how work happens, but it totally isn't. So, uh, yeah.
0: How much attention have you paid to your leaders?
1: A lot. So. so what's
0: that look like? Have you done a lot of training with them? I mean, is it a lot of conversations? Yeah, so, what works best?
1: So I think training, training people find that quite boring it tends, our, t- our training tends to be um, boring I think I, I I spend a lot of time talking to them, I'm trying to understand what their needs are and what's their motivation and how they look at the world and what's their drivers. So if I look at that and I understand what's driving them from a business perspective, I can really understand then how, from a safety perspective, we can work through our interface. So um, I spend a lot of time coaching them. We have conversations. We walk the floor. We actually look at how work is actually happening. Um, And yeah, we have really good conversations about that. So yeah, which is cool.
0: Do you do any kind of fundamental training on the new safety or do you just kind of sneak it into safety leadership courses what does leadership training look like especially at the senior level where you kind of hang out
1: yeah so uh, so what what we've done is we've actually done some quite senior level training
0: what's that look like
1: so it's it's training around um you know how to have a good coaching conversation with the teams. It's training about how to do a great safety observation, um, how to talk to your operational leaders. Um, but what I think has happened is that our middle management and our um, supervisors have gone, well, that's a little bit highbrow for us, so then how do we convert that into language that is their language, it's their work, it's, it's how they then take what we've been talking about at a senior level around pre accident investigation or about um, whatever it might be and turn it into something that they can be really tangible about and it doesn't have to be complex, so things that are really simple that they can just have a conversation and a toolbox talk about. So not paper-driven, things that are actually real and meaningful to them. So our senior leaders see that at the operational level it's making a difference because there's ownership where the work happens, Um, and so they buy into that and then they support our frontline people. So that's kind of how it works, up and down, so it's not... One way or the other, it's both directions. Oh, that's cool. That's kind of cool. That, that's really cool, yeah. that
0: kind of both directions, that's probably quite effective. Introduce yourself. Who are you and why are we talking?
1: Um, so, my name's Deidre Lewis. So, I am the head of uh, health safety environment at Origin Energy. So, I've been at Origin for... This is my ninth year, which wow, is... Wow, you
0: started as a baby, clearly.
1: Kind of, Well, not really, <laughs> so it's a little bit crazy. So I came out of steel, and before that I was in FMCG, and before that I was... I was an experimental scientist working in biological science, so I've got a scientific mindset. So I like I like to understand why things work, and I like to question things. So um, so I kind of got into safety almost by accident, which is kind of a funny. Yeah, it is a little ironic. It's a little (laughs) ironic, but it's all about people for me. So if I think about safety, it's about the human aspect to safety, and I think if you, most of the people that I encounter who are in safety roles care deeply about human beings, and so that's why. I'm in a safety role. I could be in an operational role just as easily, um, but it just happened to be where I landed. And I love helping people. I love I love watching the penny drop. For a leader um, and I have a great job and a fabulous organization. So.
0: When did you start thinking about safety differently in, the, in, a, in kind of a new way? I mean, did you start with sort of traditional safety nine years ago?
1: Oh, well, it's probably longer than that. So I, I was brought up in the steel industry from a safety perspective, really. So so DuPont, um, really. So I spent a lot of time thinking about traditional safety um, in the steel industry. Um, so I learned my craft, really, in a in a safety one um, environment, really. Um, and I think in some ways it was almost organic for me around how I almost tripped over safety two thinking because it felt right for me. It was just a. How did you that, find it? How
0: did you trip over it?
1: Um, I started to actually talk to the people who were doing the work. Oh, weird, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I know. it's crazy. Um, and I just love. I love the people who are at the pointy end. I just love what they do. I love how they talk about their work. Um, And so intuitively, I think it just made real sense to me that these people were the ones who actually had most of the answers. And being somebody who tells people um, how they should do stuff felt intuitively actually not right. So really started to engage them and talk to them about how things could be different. And so that's... I I, I kind of tripped over it. And then I started to, I guess, go back to my scientific background and really started to read about, well, what other people were doing, what scientists were thinking, what the data was saying, um, and what people were thinking more globally around how, um, you know, what I was feeling intuitively was actually... Um, a science. And so that made me really intrigued. So um, reading has really helped me to kind of go, well, I can have a crack at that. Or maybe if, if I did that operationally, that might work from a theoretical point of view, and I just had a go, really, so...
0: Did you look at resilience stuff? Did you look at uh, HRO stuff? What did you look at?
1: Yeah, so I looked at um, uh, Sydney Decker's work. Mm -hmm. I looked at your work. I looked at Eric Holnagel's work. Right. Um, And I just read as much as I could um, and tried to make sense of it. So some of it... I couldn't understand, and then I had to reread, and I read it again, and then I kind of thought about that and how it, it kind of interfaced with my operation, and I, and I just tried different things. So, um, yeah, I've read as broadly as I've. As I've had time to do, right. being in an operational business, yeah, time's, it's kinda, time's tough. Yeah, time is a bit tough. So, um, so it's almost been a bit of a sideline activity that I've done as a hobby when I'm, you know, on a plane going to an operational site or something. Um, but it makes so much sense to me that I think um, I've just been having a go, really. And
0: what did you start with? I mean, what were the first things you looked at? What are the first things you changed? I'm curious about that.
1: Um, what was the first thing? I, oh, well, I didn't change it because um, the ops guys changed it. It wasn't me. Yeah, that's
0: good. <laughs> that's a good way to say that.
1: <laughs> so, really, they they spoke to me about how they could do something different in their business. So we actually talked about what a problem statement was for them um, and it was an operational problem. So how could they work faster without having injury? So we started playing games around that. We started to...
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: just kind of almost... Simulate how things could go well, how things would go wrong, and then we practiced when the, we call it. We actually created a language around it, like practicing when the pressure was off, um, so we could actually understand what would happen when we weren't under pressure. So then, when we were under pressure, we kind of knew what to do. Um, and so we started that way, um, and then created a shared language about having excellent failures so it was okay to make mistakes. Um, It was actually better than okay to make a mistake. It was actually successful to make a mistake which is I think really cool um, because I make mistakes all the time um, and um, watching people learn is just so enriching because we're all part of a community and, it, and I felt part of their community and they accepted me as part of theirs so we became almost like a um, a unit of there was trust that was built and so once that trust is built there's so much you can do in that environment so that's really how it started and then um yeah, so so then I got promoted and pretty much had to start all over again. <laughs> yeah, because no good deed goes unpunished.
0: <laughs> the way to get rid of her is to promote her. Yeah, that's, that's true of everyone. But
1: it's kind of cool, too, because it gives you an opportunity to have broader influence on more people. What
0: are the lessons you're, you're carrying with you? What have you learned that you think has been most valuable? I'm always interested in that.
1: Oh gosh! You want me to
0: tell you mine and then see what you yeah, can there? Yeah, let's go. So what I've learned is, for every hour I train a worker, I should double it for leadership.
1: Yeah. Okay. So if it's a
0: one-hour training for a worker, it's a two-hour training for leaders. That's that's my that's kind of a secret weapon for me.
1: Yeah, okay, that's a good I'm gonna take that. Oh, I'm please. gonna steal yeah. that because no, like that's really cool. Go crazy. Um I hadn't 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 got there myself, but that's probably about right. I think my secret weapon would be um just be tenacious, so just be so tenacious. If it doesn't work the first time, try again. If it doesn't work that way, try a different way. Keep having a crack because somebody somewhere will follow you at some point. Um, I've had some brilliant people who have just taken a chance on me. So, you know, there's been things that I've wanted to do that... There was eye-rolling and there was, you've got to be kidding, you're like a crazy lady. (laughs) Um, And people just took a chance on me and it worked. And then once it works, you you, you kind of create this movement almost. It's like um, excitement builds and then you get a pull from the operation, which I think then from a senior leadership point of view... The momentum that comes from the groundswell is so powerful and so I've had a lot of success by... Um, having some excellent failures but also from having some wins that the operational guys just go this works this makes me happy I feel empowered I feel enabled I can do my job safer and this is actually making work more efficient and more safe
0: how do you keep your people motivated your safety people your staff how do you keep them motivated
1: Oh, it's actually a really interesting thing because I think over time... Um, we've had some challenges because we've, we've contracted in size as a team. Um, we've changed from being Safety One practitioners, really, right. into being practitioners where rather than the doers, we're now the enablers and the coaches. Um, and there's been some real challenges with that because um, the business... Um, couldn't really see the value of us anymore because we used to do things for them and now we were coaching them, which wasn't the same thing as actually doing stuff for them. So we now actually weren't doing the job of the line. We were doing the job of a safety person who was supporting and enabling the line to be able to be a great leader. Um, And so my safety people went through their own grief I guess. In yeah, I terms think that's of, fair. yeah it, it felt like grief for them. Um, and their skill set also needed to change. So by building their skill set and doing things like we did today um, and giving them some. Uh, I guess training and giving them some um, view into what the future state could look like gives them hope and excitement around what their role can evolve into into the future. So, um, yeah, so, and I've got a great team. Like, I've got a really fantastic team of people who work for me and they've been with me for a long time. So, um, I feel very fortunate. Yeah, and that's cool. important,
0: right? They get a the chance to build camaraderie. They've been through thick and thin. They have, they've yeah. They've had wins. They've had losses. This, that, that all makes a difference. Yeah,
1: and look, I think in a business that's so dynamic, I mean, the energy industry is one that is in such... Uh, a state of change at the moment that there's a lot of external pressure on a business like ours um, and everyone in the organisation feels it and the safety, people are almost at the front line of that because it's so trusted that the people at the front line will tell them how they feel about what's going on and so sometimes that can be quite challenging if you're always hearing those things, um, so being connected and supported both by me but by each other is just really important so and having a great leader supporting me and them knowing that we have the support of the ceo and of the business in general is just massively important but i think your
0: observation that you moved from doers to enablers is really really important i mean that's that's i think a lot of safety teams don't realize that's what's happening
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing, and I was a little bit surprised about this, I actually knew that the operation would find it challenging. I actually had planned for that, so I'm a bit of a planner. So I kind of went, okay, well, I can see the risk of the operation going, well, why aren't you doing that for me anymore? Um, But I didn't, I guess, I didn't anticipate the amount of, um, I guess... Change that was going to happen within my own function. So that was a real learning for me around how to make sure that I didn't miss that in terms of my own change management process. So, um, but um, we got there. Yeah. We got there. Yeah. And I feel really empowered. I think they actually like their roles more now, to be oh. honest. So I think they find that there's more um, value in what they do now than what they did before, so they're no longer filling out forms or doing stuff like that. Right. They're they're actually helping people be better leaders, and they're having conversations about, um, you know, um, what great safety could look like, in the business, or how to be more efficient and do it without having to fill in ten forms. So that's good. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So,
0: what do you think the future looks like? What What, what are you excited about? Where do you see? your stuff going? Where do you see your organization going?
1: Oh, I, w- I see my organization being in a place where we feel so empowered that there is so much transparency around what we're doing that our metrics around lag indicators are not as important as they are currently. I see us feeling uh, able to be really trusting each other. I see um I see people being much more innovative. There's so much innovation going on at the mm-hmm. front line. It's really exciting. It, but it sort of it almost gets trapped there. So it's about how do we how do we share that across a large portfolio so that people can connect in with each other and learn from each other better than we are now. So um, I'd love to. I mean, I know lots of people bandy around the word like a learning organisation, but I I just love the idea. Idea that we can actually be connected as human beings um, and learn from each other and with each other as a community. So that's what I would like to see.
0: The accent alone made that podcast worthwhile, if you ask me. The crazy thing about this, you guys, this is such an ethnocentric thing I'm about to say, so get ready, is that you know that when you go over there, you have an accent and they don't. So when they come over here, they have an accent and we don't. Accent is clearly something that belongs to the other, not to the self. Just in case you're wondering about a little, uh, you know, metaphysical discovery mode moment. That's kind of what this is. What did you think? In, isn't that amazing? Uh, somebody who's thought that much about the ability to move an organization forward and to focus really on, on the ability to continuously learn and that idea of continuous learning which we do we do bandy that about a bit i would agree with idra every step of the way that actually becomes really kind of a cultural icon and an important foundational plank cornerstone if you will of of doing the work we do and the ability to learn really is a function of operational curiosity of of being curious And I think that's a function, this is my opinion, but that's a function of realizing that we don't know or that the biases we carry into a situation will color, in fact, the outcomes that we carry out of that situation. And so that becomes uh, relatively important for us to think about in a bunch of ways. And I thought this podcast did a really champion job, just mountaintop job of illustrating that. Plus it's just, it's it's just fun. I mean, that was really fun. It was super fun. We had a great time and, uh, and that's what it's supposed to be about. And that kind of leads me to where we are. Make some time to really look at and understand with gratitude what's around you. Hold on tightly to what you have but understand that the world is changing and that that list of things you have is probably in flux because it's been a tough ride and it's getting tougher. There's no question about that. And that's a part of what we have to think about every single day. Thanks for being um, a part of the podcast. Thanks for listening. That means a lot to me. If you have something you want to put on, just tell me. It's, uh, it's a good time to add things to that information. But most importantly, take care of yourself and the people around you. And you do that. So I'm preaching to the choir. Until then, my friends, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, be kind and be safe.